Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, my guest is Adam Shupak. Adam is a senior writer with Golf Week, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports. And in the podcast you're about to hear, we talk at length about Colin Morikawa, who on Sunday had a big win, his first win at a World Golf Championship, WGC Workday Championship, and Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, Florida. And Adam and I discuss what is making Colin's game tick, why he is so good at what he does. He obviously looks total control and seems to have found a new way to putt that's going to really help him out and Colin Morikawa making putts is a scary scary dude um, Adam and I talk at length also about Victor Hovland Matthew Wolf Brooks Kepka. we also talk about the tribute that many PGA Tour players as well as LPGA Tour players did on Sunday to support Tiger Woods by wearing red shirts black pants and etc it's a really cool thing and finally, we give a little bit of an advanced look towards the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is going to be starting on Thursday this week at the Bay Hill Club and Lodge. So now returning once again to the Four Press podcast, I've got the aforementioned Adam Shupak. Uh, Shup, we had quite a, uh, a little weekend, quite a Sunday. I was, when they first announced the WGC series, these World Golf Championships, I was like, okay, you get one more tournament that's supposed to be important to us. And obviously very U.S. and U.S. television centric. We used to have back in the day the Accenture match play that they would play in Marana, Arizona, just um, outside of Tucson. We would go to Doral. Um, we would play at, at Firestone with the, at, at the Bridgestone Invitational, all these things. And it was one more thing that was supposed to be important to us. But I got to tell you what, I have come around to WGCs for the simple fact that we end up getting really, really elite fields um, more often. And in the grand scheme of things, that's that's what we want. That's what gets us fired up. I took a look at the leaderboard heading into Sunday. It was like a murderer's row. It's like everybody who I wanted to see playing golf on a golf course that was really challenging. Where what what has sort of been your feeling about WGCs? Have you sort of warmed up to it, or are you on the were you on the bandwagon pretty early with this? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the concept that goes back to Greg Norman wanting to break away and do this tour of the, uh, you know, a smaller version, a world tour, um, and, and that put Fincham on the spot to to kind of squash that and create his own. I think the idea w- is fantastic. We had 47 of the top 50 in the world last week. Uh, you know, Patrick Cantley was a late withdrawal. Otherwise, this is a, a stellar field as you're going to find. I, you know, I, I it's kind of a love hate thing for me. Like, I love the fact that you got all these great players. I'm not a big fan of the the, the no cut tournaments, the smaller fields. They don't really get me that excited. The venues have have been kind of hit or miss. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody really loved Dove Mountain. Nobody's missing Dove Mountain. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But, uh, but it turns out concession for all of the thing. Like, oh my god, everyone's gonna th- this course is gonna lay them out. It's gonna it was certainly challenging. We saw big numbers all over the place. Every day it seemed like somebody was doing something, just you know, a, a long, slow train wreck. And yet there were birdies as well. It looked like a great setup for these guys, yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, this was this was potentially we think a one year, uh, one year hiatus for Mexico, which mm-hmm. the players seem to like like that golf course, and and I've enjoyed watching that one, and I do want to see them continue to move that tournament around some because. Uh, and be played outside the United States because having just four straight weeks in Florida, you know, I I live in Florida, but come on. I mean, we've got plenty of golf, but it's not, it's quantity over quality here in Florida. We've got a couple of great courses. You know, what I liked about this particular one was the concession probably can't host that big of an event. I I saw a a tweet by Jim McLean, who I I love, a great guy. I mean, you know him too. Wonderful PGA teacher. Uh, suggesting they should have a PGA championship at the concession and they just can't host it. That's a, it's, it's unrealistic and they can't, they can't do it. It's a, it's a, they don't have the space. It's a yeah. private club, but it, this is the perfect situation with COVID. They let some fans in, but very limited amount that, that you could have an event at concession. I think it worked great. I loved seeing guys, you know, make some great shots, but also, uh, you know, just, just, uh, burning terrible numbers. <laughs> it was just some absolute. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, watching Hovland on Friday, um, there were other ones where we saw Patrick Reed, you know, flame out on a, on a couple places, and there was just there was, and they they mentioned this on the broadcast. If you hit good shots, I mean, we've heard this cliche before. If you hit good shots, there were opportunities to score. Guys scored every day. If you didn't, and things got a little bit sideways, you were in trouble in a really bad way. And I think that's one of the things that we really like about courses that are ideal for PJ tour events to, to your point about McLean, it's not just for majors, the quality of the course, there's logistics, you know, is it a big enough yeah. ballpark where you can put on 30,000 people? Is it a venue that can handle TV compounds and all the infrastructure that goes And And for private clubs, you have to have 36 or 54 you holes do. really to, yeah. to be able to have that because you've got corporate villages and chalets. And these are obviously under normal circumstances, everybody, but it's it's so much more than the venue. If it was just the quality of the golf courses, we'd have a hundred places that would be major worthy in the United States. We we don't have that, and and there's so, so that's the reason. Now you spoke about good golf shots. Colin Morikawa hit a hell of a lot of good golf shots, and he is one of those names where I think with um, Dustin Johnson playing as well as he has played up until this week, didn't play especially great. Might have been a little bit fried after a really really good West Coast swing. The emergence of some other players. Um, he's somebody that I forget is really, really this good sometimes. And I think part of that is because his putting has been really AOL, you know, sort of, you know, for um for a long time, really, basically, since he won the PJ championship at uh, at Harding Park. But I took a look at some stats as I'm wont to do. Entering this week, he was ranked number uh number what was it here? Entering the week ranked third. In strokes gain approach the green. After this performance, he's now number one. Last year he finished number two. As you know, that is the one of the most coveted stats on the tour because that means you're striping it with your irons and you're giving yourself a lot of chances. He came into the week ranked 213 in putting. And we went up into the 190s. That's hard to believe. It's it, it is. It's it's squandered opportunities. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't hold him up this high, but certainly the world ranking points do. Um is Morikawa somebody that that we overlook? We don't talk about. We talk about DJ. We talk about Rory. We're going to talk about Kepka in a little bit because certainly it looks like he's on the rebound as well. There's a couple guys. Bryson DeChambeau gets lots of headlines. Morikawa won a major championship last year and yet still in some ways is flying under the radar, isn't he? I think you're right. I mean, what he's been doing, though, is incredible. It, it's When you think about it, it's like, how are we not talking more about him? Because yeah. 
four wins already before age 25. It's it's some pretty rare company right there, and and some big events. You know, I guess I guess if you if if you're gonna have a workday event, uh, Colin Morikawa gets up for it. He's now won yeah. two of those events, and uh, you know his ball striking is phenomenal. His putting, it, it's not, and and maybe he's found something. I mean, I thought your tweet the you know early last week was was kind of spot on when you said you know if if Colin Morikawa has figured out his how to putt, you know these guys are are all playing for second. That's kind of what happened because that was yeah. that was a really tiger woods-esque type performance on sunday i mean it it never felt like billy horschel or or even kepko was gonna have a chance because he he created a little bit of distance i mean i guess on saturday he had a he had a couple uh hiccups and and that five stroke lead you know came back down a bit but yeah i mean those five birdies in a row on, on saturday that was that was uh kind of a vintage tiger type thing to, to take control of a tournament. And, and then he, it just, that the last two hours felt like it was just a walk in the park for him that, that he had, I mean, by the turn, this thing was, was settled and you, yeah. you could start engraving the trophy. And, and I really, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit, Deuce. I really like, he, they, everybody says he's, he's mature. Um, you know, he's only 25, but th- kind of thinks like a 40 year old, uh, very, you know, really like the fact that mm-hmm. one of the keys for him this week was waiting out Paul Azinger and getting some, you know, some tips around the 18th green, a concession, knowing first of all, that Paul Azinger like lived there was a member yeah. and, and, and is such a great short game guy. And that this is somebody to talk to. And then also before that, a few weeks earlier, picking the brain of Marco Mira, a hall of famer, a major champion like him uh, and, and, and getting and changing his putting grip to the saw grip after seeing, how it's working for Marco Mira. They they both practice the same golf course out in Vegas. And and just I don't think a lot of these young guys take advantage of what's of the experience of some of these great players. I I put I talked with Tony Jacqueline once and said, you know, which of these players have you uh have called you up and asked you for some advice because you've got a lot of wisdom as a as a major champion. And he said, none. Nobody's ever asked me for help. And I look at, you know, I think about tennis. You're a big tennis guy. Mm-hmm. And in tennis, you always see the top players having a, a Jimmy Connors or Yvonne Lendl as their coach. And they they actually bring them to the majors and yeah. and they're 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 involved, they're in their camp. And and I think that's something that a lot of these young players should really consider. And I was really impressed that Colin Morikawa is a guy who's doing that. Well, a couple things. If you recall, let me ask you this one. Who was a player that was pretty much on the rise in the late 90s who sought out and became good buddies with Marco Mira? Tiger Woods. Who who were some of the players or who was basically a former world number one who is still young um, seeking out the advice of Jack Nicklaus? You know, many players, yeah. but certainly we had Jason Day and Rory, um, Rory McIlroy were the two that come immediately to my mind. Um, if if Colin Morikawa is smart enough, and clearly he is, to seek out people like Azinger, to seek out people like O'Meara, um, to shore up his game, to pass on some of that wisdom, good for him. And by the way, if I'm an agent of an up-and-coming player, um, I, I am getting these people on speed dial. I, I that Why would you not try and get whatever little hints or nuggets of information, not just during Masters Week when you're trying to get your young player who's maybe playing in a first or second Masters, a practice round with some of these guys so that you can peek into somebody like Bernhard Longer's, you know, yardage book for, for little nuggets of information. Yeah, that that's great. I'm not knocking that. But those guys are out there the other 51 weeks of the year. And golf, and as you mentioned, tennis, is 
really two of the only sports where like this information is pretty freely given. I mean, there is a tradition of passing on what you have learned to the next generation once you come to a point where you're probably not going to be someone who's going to be able to compete on a regular level. Even John McEnroe back in tennis coached a guy named Sergi Bruguera who ended up winning a French Open, and, and Mac was still a, a somewhat viable player at the time. It's just this is what you do. It's one of the really, really cool parts of the game, and good on him because obviously Morikawa found something with this putting stroke. And, and as you mentioned, I said if, if Colin Morikawa figures out how to make putts, he is a scary Colin Morikawa. He is a problem that people have to deal with. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and the, another name that jumps to mind who's kind of done this and had great success is Lanto Griffin. He's in the top fifty yeah. in the world, and he's been working out with Vijay Singh, and, and you know, yeah. going to the range with them, exercising with them. And I think that's with these guys today, they have these big entourages, but it just seems like for some reason that's not part of it. Like, why why would you not want to have a former major champion on your team? Now, this goes back a little ways. I remember vividly going to Colonial Country Club, and this might have been around 2012. I think it was the year after Jason Duffner lost to Keegan Bradley at um, Atlanta Athletic Club. So I'm thinking I've got that year just about right. 2012, yeah. And um, the next year, it's May, and we're at Colonial, and Duffner is hanging out at the Titleist truck, and he's clearly waiting for somebody. I'm like, what's going on? He's just sort sort of lingering. This is a big-time player. Duff's really at the, almost at the height of his power at this point. He's waiting there for Lee Trevino. And Trevino comes walking out, and they hop in a golf cart, and they pull maybe 50 yards away, and they sit at one end of the range just talking in the cart for half an hour. I have no idea what they were talking about. I would love to have known. <laughs> but in terms of like matching up guys who own their own swing, guys who come from something of a similar background, and then what happens – um, yeah, let's go to Oak Hill and Rochester. Jason Duffner wins a PGA championship and at the site where Lee Trevino won Trevino, his US yeah. Open in and, 68. And it's like, I don't think these are coincidences. I think you bring up a brilliant point is that like these resources are out there, and it's not like these guys are saying, Hey, kid, get away from me. Like, no, it's I've never heard of somebody um that that would refuse to pass these things along. It's it's a time-honored tradition, and someday the players that we're talking about now will do it to somebody who is, you know, right now probably in diapers. It's just the way it goes. If I'm if I'm Boyd Summerhays, the coach of Tony Finau, I'm I'm seeing oh. if I could get like Fred Couples or, or you know, somebody. It doesn't have to be Tiger Woods, be but Tiger, just somebody. Right. Just just give him a, a little bit of like even just seeing, uh, you know, in the press conference when Max Homa won, he said. I just mentioned Fred Couples. He said Fred Couples was texting him all week, telling him you you can win this, and and I I think that can't hurt at all to have a guy like Fred Couples saying this is how you play Riviera, and this is yeah, and you're he, capable of winning there. I, I think that's got to help, and I I think Tony's so close. Uh, it's just it's it becomes one of the weekly storylines. Like we look <laughs> at the odds, we look at um you know the venue, you get the Tony Fino top five, top ten question. I mean it's it's just a thing. <laughs> But if you have somebody who's in the World Golf Hall of Fame, if you've got a major champion who is communicating with you, I believe in you. This is going to be your week. You can do this. How can it not buoy your confidence? How can it not make you just sort of puff your chest out a little bit more and think, yeah, I can do this? And as you know, like the, the difference between the number one guy and the number 100 guy on the PGA Tour from a shot standpoint isn't all that much week in and week out. But the belief and the confidence – and one bad shot doesn't usually rattle the very, very top guys. If Brooks Kepka hits, 
you know, airmails a green with a shot. You got to believe that 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 is water off a duck's back. He will work through that. Dustin Johnson has been the epitome of that um, for a long, long time. Somebody else who is able to let it sort of roll off their back, Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland, if if you think about it, going back to Friday, he scores a quad. He scores an eight on a par four to finish his round. It was an absolute. I didn't know it snows in Florida. Holy cow! The snowman was just big, <laughs> and with the with the carrot nose and the whole the whole thing, you give him par there, and we're probably looking at a playoff or a Hovland win. I mean, it's not inconceivable. Victor Hovland's another one of these guys. Again, like the, this young group, this core group, who is solidifying himself. It's early. We're recording this on Monday morning. He's right now in Vegas, the number two favorite to win the win at Bay Hill this week behind Rory. And uh, yeah, what what are you making? What you're seeing from Hovland? How much are you buying this? I'd, I'd buy some of that stock. I mean, he's his ball striking also is is fantastic. His putters is better than the Morikawa. His short game still needs some work. Ugh. I mean, he's been very honest, uh, very candid that it that it's. I think he said it sucks. So it sucks. you know, it, it's it's. It's got some work to be done there, but he's, I think he's done a good job of seeking out some, some help uh, in, in that area. It knows he needs it. I think he went straight to Pete Cowan not long after winning in Puerto Rico. And um, yeah, I think he's got, I, I, you know, the, the most I watched him, I didn't watch a ton of him in college, but I was at the final, the finals of the U S amateur. And um, you could tell right then. I mean, the guy's got some charisma. He's got one of yeah. the. He's got the best smile in golf now. Over, I think he's taken the the mantle from Matt Kuchar. And it was funny when he was interviewed about how he was still smiling after making that quad. He said, "Well, I think it's just a a, a ner- like a nervous device. I'm not really that happy yeah. about it." Um, and I like to see that that, that it was there, there's some little piss and vinegar in there as well you can tell like it bothered him he didn't want to do it but i think that he's got this very good attitude like it's done like there's I've, nothing i can do about it jumping around and being angry about myself won't erase that score and turn a quad into a double so why waste energy trying to fix it i had a chance to assist with the writing for him at the uh at the masters the 2019 masters he was there as the u.s amateur champion that got him his pass into there as well as into 2019 us open at pebble and so i got to talk with him throughout that week we sort of wrote a a diary if you will he stayed in the crow's nest he was really sort of enjoying the whole experience of being an amateur picking that up on tuesday he played with ricky fowler who is another oklahoma state guy and he had known fowler from beforehand um and they were playing a practice round and they get end up joined by Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. And it's like, I talked to him afterwards and I said, well, was there a point at which you were looking around because you still got to go back to Stillwater and like finish class. And he was joking that like he was actually supposed to be doing some homework and that was not going to get done that week. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I think we can, we're not going to worry too much about that. Your future seems like it's pretty good shape. Did, did you pinch yourself and be like, what the hell am I doing out here? Here is Dustin Johnson. Here is Brooks Kepka. Ricky Fowler is one of the faces of the PGA tour. And he said, yeah, you know, it's, I felt comfortable out there. It wasn't like I, I didn't belong. And I think that was his quote. And to me, that was the first indication. I'm like, okay, let's put a star next to this kid's name. Because if you feel like you belong in a group like that and you're 20, then this is something interesting. And then he goes ahead and obviously he was low am at that Masters. He's low amateur at Pebble, something only Jack Nicholas had done before that. 
and he's backed it up. He's seen, he obviously has figured out a formula that can be really successful. His short game needs a lot of work. It looks really mechanical. And I think at this point he's thinking about a lot. It, you can see the gears turning in his head. Like, how do I hit this chip shot? How do I do this? And the best short game people, you know, Seve, Tiger in his prime, Phil, like they, they do some thinking and grinding on what they want the ball to do. And then it looks so athletic. There's this flow to the way that they they swing the golf club and make the shot come up. His, to me at least, looks really mechanical. Um, but I agree. I would be buying Victor Hovland stock. What does it sort of also say about the fact that these guys have only really been on tour for not even two years? Um, it's how much do you put into the fact that they played elite college golf, elite amateur golf? Does it seem like we're, we are getting better, more groomed pros when they turn pro guys like this shoot? Or do you think there's sort of always been this level of quality? It's just maybe we're, we're at, we're seeing a little bit of a surge because this particular class is, is really, really good. No, I think it's, I think it goes back to the, how big the AJGA has become the in college golf have just become more and more resembling these guys are, are tour players well before they get on tour. They're, they're, yeah. they're basically playing a P tour scale. They're playing at PGA tour venues. I mean, th yeah. they're already playing at the sea islands and all these courses where the, where the, I mean, this week is, you know, not, maybe not the best of them, but the, they're playing, uh, the Cabo collegiate is at, is at the, the TPC in San Antonio and the winner of that event is going to get a sponsor exemption into the Valero Texas open. These guys are getting more and more opportunities to play beforehand they're playing junior rider cups and president's cups and so all this stuff is it's just it's they're used to it there's it's not a big you know it doesn't take five ten years to get comfortable playing on the pga tour anymore for these guys they're it, it they're they're getting out there and they're playing against guys that they've they're used to beating yeah one of the guys who's also in that group is matthew wolf and i like matt wolf a lot i think that matt wolf has got major winning potential. I followed him on Saturday at the U.S. Open at Winged Foot and was really, really impressed. And yeah, he lost to Bryson DeChambeau on Sunday. No shame in that. Bryson was the only player to finish last year in the U.S. Open under par. And it was a great learning experience for Matt Wolf, who shot 83 on Thursday before withdrawing with, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much no explanation or or you know reasoning behind that withdrawal. Um, as you saw, but I don't believe the PGA Tour certainly put it out. He um, he accidentally hit the ball with a practice stroke on the sixth hole. Um, clearly, like the, the wheels were already coming off. Now, under the rules of golf, he was able to replace that ball and put it back because he had marked and that was his, his spot. But um, obviously, his head was elsewhere. I talked with somebody on the periphery of Team Wolf um, who said – this isn't necessarily the way that things should go. This is maybe a little bit of a sign of some immaturity. Um, everybody has bad days. Tigers had bad days. Mickelson has bad days. Nicholas had bad days, etc. Um, if you really, really, really don't want to play in a no-cut, free money, free world <laughs> ranking points event, um, there are professional and tactful ways to go about it. But the real professional way is, in my opinion, Suck it up and just play. Use it as three practice rounds. Think of something that you want to work on, and now you have 54 holes to work on that under conditions. Am, am I blowing this out of proportion because he decided WD at one WGC event, or is, do you think that this is maybe something to keep our eye on? 
Well, we, we knew somebody was going to WD with a concussion. You know, he didn't give an excuse, but it was the concussion at the concession. Uh, yeah, just j- he just had one of those days, and it, it happens. And we got to remember, this this kid's 21. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's 22 now, but he's he still should be in college. He should be a senior right now at Oklahoma State, and he's already got a victory on the PGA Tour. You know, like you just said, almost won the U.S. Open. And he's got a ton of talent. I feel like his golf swing is, is you know, I don't think he's going to have as consistent of results as Morikawa and Victor Hovland. His ball striking just isn't quite good. I mean, he's going to bomb it. He's going to, he's got a, he's got everything to, to win some tournaments, to win a major. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to have the consistency. So there's going to be some ups and downs with, with his game. Uh, I mean, he's already, he's already in the top 20 in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's done a heck of a lot, but I think he is a, going through some growing pains of, of that. This is my job now. I don't learn that, you know, there's certain ways to do things and you're right. It wasn't a very good look. He also withdrew earlier this year with, I believe he cited a hand injury, a wrist injury. So perhaps, perhaps, I mean, just giving him the benefit of doubt, maybe it has something to do with that. But Could be. Um, Could be. yeah, I, a couple years back, Jack Nicholas uh, in his, pre, you know, press conference at Memorial saying, that you know these guys tend to WD over the, the littlest things. I mean, even uh, I mentioned Patrick Kelly. I love the kid, but it was he he pulled out with dehydration and a and an upset stomach. I mean, oh, that. Um, I mean, in in tennis, you know, since we talked about it earlier, the uh, the wink wink one was the abdominal strain. You know, a player cites an abdominal strain, and that was code for I really don't want to play this week. Or if it was a money grab because they weren't supposed to take appearance fees they'd go off to some far-flung place pick up a million dollar check play the first round win that match like six one six one and then cite the abdominal string get on a private plane and boogie out of wherever the hell they were um and and do that i i i want to give him the doubt because i really really believe in the talent yeah he seems like a super nice kid i just looked it up he'll be 22 in april so yes there's reason for some immaturity because he's young and he's allowed to make mistakes and everybody gets to make mistakes we just hope it's not the, the beginning of a pattern, I guess, is my opinion. and 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 if he's really hurt, if if his, the wrist is bothering yeah. him, you know, you you're it's the right thing to pull out. But he probably should have said that's what's Amazing. bothering me. But if if you don't want to be there, you got to just you know suck it up, butter up. This is your job. There are people that uh, have gone to great lengths to put this golf tournament on so that you could play for big yep. money. And especially in the current climate, like you're you're just you should be in some ways feeling lucky that you have a job and get to, to play a game and, and all that appreciative you know just to be appreciative and we're not saying that you got to do everything with a smile and a song and you're feeling all that kind of stuff but um brooks kepka is i mean i didn't want to get up this morning i didn't want to get up this morning and do this podcast with you but here i am we're well, <laughs> in the club pal i mean but here we are exactly <laughs> brooks kepka is a guy who had to withdraw obviously from a lot of stuff and has faced a lot of injuries and has been pretty open about it smashed some clubs um, as David Faraday said, he only he smashed two sets of clubs. That shows staying power, um, <laughs> prolonged aggression from the. Safe to say, Brooks Kepka is back at this point. Shoop. I mean, again, another really strong performance. T two this week. Good West Coast swing. He's he's back. Yes, can we say that? Yeah, I'll say with, with one caveat. I mean, I, I I like the way he's playing. I, I it was you know he just he he the blood was in the water at Phoenix and he he. Mm took care of business. I was really impressed the way he finished that one off because I didn't feel like he was playing great that week. Um, you know, he not, and, and just that he's kept it up 
again, was right there. I just like seeing that cockiness back. He knew he was going to be there on Sunday. He didn't close this one out, but, um, you know, for, I don't even know if he cares about a WGC. It's not a major, you know, it's a WGC, but it, you know, he's, he's got four, four PG regular PGA tour wins, four majors It's phenomenal. I think he wants to get to five, five majors before he gets to that fifth PGA tour event. The one thing that bothers me is he's complaining about his neck now and he, he's seen him getting some work on that neck and you know he was it's just a couple weeks ago you're saying he's 100 healthy the knee's great if the neck becomes a bigger factor you know sometimes the pain from one spot in the body goes to another and if, if this neck becomes a lingering issue or or forces him to miss some time because we've seen that happen to him with injuries uh that's my only concern right now with brooks kepka it's uh I don't think that he worries about events where you know it's it's less than six Michelob Ultras in the cup. <laughs> and I know that the the Wanamaker, I gotta believe, is good for probably close to a 12 pack. Those those cans <laughs> of Mick Ultra, the, they do like the tall, skinny ones. Um, you know, that low carb stuff. I think that the goblet that you get, I don't know if that is the Gene Sarazen order, like which great player Gene. they named. Is, is it the Gene Sarazen? Wow, that's it's the Gene Sarazen. I, I think oh, maybe one like my, you know what. One out of a hundred people might know that, but but that is got to be like three white claws or something like that fits into that <laughs> cup. That's 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 just like you're only you're a pair of teeth kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's he's starting to get that walk. Um, I remember vividly walking around with him at Shinnecock and just sort of it's it's this strut that he has, this very athletic, yoked out. I love listening to the guys out on Long Island like, hey, Brooks, sweet traps, bro. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> this was just too much. It was great. But he he feeds off that. Like, you can just tell. Like, he is, you know, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, like, he is this alpha predator out there. And when he senses it and if he's able to remain healthy, I, I love the depth and the quality of the depth that we have right now at the top of the PGA Tour because we've got Dustin Johnson who's played great. Brooks Kepka coming up and now looking like he's going to be, hopefully, we'll see with the neck, hopefully looking like he's getting his neck. Colin Morikawa coming in through here. Rory McIlroy is going to figure this thing out. And I think this end up you know, coming back to Bay Hill where he's shot some really low rounds. Could be something. He's going to be the number one player in the field this week, the top-ranked player in the field this week. I, I'm looking for him to finally just snap to it and get to where he was before the COVID break happened last year. There's a bunch of players. Patrick Cantley had a nice run through the West Coast swing. We'll sort of see the other guys who they come through. The quality of the depth heading into this year's Masters is fascinating to me. Um, we saw this a couple of years ago where it felt like it was wide open. And it's really unfortunate that we're not going to have Tiger Woods, obviously, this year at the Masters. And I don't think we're going to have Tiger Woods for quite a while. But would you agree that we're golf is in a really, really good place right now in terms of like, its best players, in many cases, its most marketable players, are seeming to sort of fall into line before what could be a fantastic run beginning really next week at the players um, with the championship season. And like It looks like we're set up for a great year on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think so. It, it's good that a lot of the, the top players, like you said, are playing some pretty good golf right now. We're we're not seeing a bunch of no names winning, winning, uh, winning the tournaments. And, you know, we're even seeing a guy like, you know, over in Puerto Rico, Brandon Grace, the, the yeah. cream rising to the top and showing that maybe he's got, he was a guy that I really thought had major potential, uh, back when he almost won the Chambers 2015 Bay. U S open Chambers Bay, you know, flared that one off into the railroads, but otherwise, uh, looked like he, he has, and, and, you know, shot the 62 at the 
Open Championship, lowest round on a major. I mean, he he's kind of been MIA for a little while, and 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 one of those kind of like you know unsolved mysteries why he and and Louis neither he or Louis had more they both of them stuck on one PGA Tour victory while they you know won double digits around the world. Um, so he finally gets off the Schneid and wins number two and. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good players playing well right now, and you know, c- continue to see if Jordan Spieth can get his name back up there under the under the winner circle. Um, real quick before we talk about the API coming up this week, the really fitting and I think cool tribute that a lot of players paid to Tiger Woods this week, wearing red and black. We even saw Annika Sorenstam on the LPGA Tour going about and doing that. People on social media went to their local clubs and were wearing red and black. Um, and of course, because the world is what it is, there was some pushback on certain players. Um, what did you make of that thing? Pretty cool, yeah? Yeah, I thought it was a, a very nice gesture and pretty cool that Tiger tweeted how much it meant to him that he was watching in his hospital room and that that, that meant something to him. Uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, just crazy that people were getting on, you know, Max Homa because he didn't have the shirt. But, you know, I kind of do understand a little bit that thinking. And, and, you know, if I'm one of the players, I'm sorry. I I think I go to – I go find a red shirt somewhere. might not have my spots. It's it's almost like the NFL when guys want to make a statement and they know they're going to get fined. Like, so what if you're – if TaylorMade doesn't send you, you know – your Whatever, check yeah. because you didn't have their yeah I, I would I would take that you you owe Tiger so much for what he's done for the game and, and what the what you're playing for that the big money is because of Tiger Woods you know I would have just been like yeah uh I'll, I'll write the check for whatever I you know whatever yep. you lost in sponsorship opportunity there and I would have just worn some plain red shirt I think given the circumstances, it would be really, really ridiculous. And I'd be shocked if any company or manufacturer withheld or gave a player grief about the fact um, that they weren't wearing a certain logo in a certain way. Even as you're mentioning it to me, you find creative ways around it. If Michael Jordan can find a creative way to drape the American flag over the Reebok symbol on his jersey and, you know, other people. (laughs) I thought Billy Horschel with the the writing TW TW on his hat, hat, red and black was, was perfect. And of course, he took grief for that and had to go on social media and be like, look, I didn't have a red shirt. I don't always travel with red and black. He's a scripted guy with Polo Ralph Lauren. They may not be able to. I I heard, and I don't know if it's true, that Colin Morikawa tried to get a red shirt, but it somehow got hung up and lost in the mail or it was delayed. And so it wasn't like, and people just sort of giving these guys grief and and Billy takes to social media and is like, look, I, I didn't have it. I put on a thing. I'm sorry if that wasn't good enough for you. But I thought Marikawa mentioning like thank you very much to Tiger afterwards was impressive. Yeah, and and again, like I think this was we're we're making way more out of this than it than we should. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. kind of knew this was going to happen by <laughs> by Friday. You know, if if you're tailor made, you got or it is you got a bunch of players on your that you're under contract. You should have just put a, a staff member on a plane. And and mm. flown them down there. I, you, we've seen them do this with with clubs. Like oh, you got to get a club yeah. there, and you and you get a guy on a on a plane. So it's the same sort of thing. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, it's definitely first world problems, but um, these are the things sometimes you got to do. And and yeah. I think Taylor yeah. or whatever any company would have looked a lot better if they had their guys in in red and black yeah. in this situation. But but you know, again, <laughs> it was a great point. Like when they did something similar for Payne Stewart, Tiger Woods was a guy who chose to do his own thing. And so I'm sure Tiger respected the fact that guys 
the, you know, I don't think he's going to hold it against guys. I don't think he's going to go out and 10 and nine them uh, <laughs> because, because somebody didn't. Shoot, nothing would make me happier than seeing Tiger 10 and nine anybody at this point. I hope that <laughs> to go out and 10 and nine anybody, he can 10 and nine me. I could care less. If you peel back the onion enough, I mean, you, you rightfully said, the reason why guys today are playing for the big money is because of Tiger. The reason why Tiger had an opportunity and the reason why, to some degree, Jack had an opportunity is because Arnold Palmer hit the scene at just the right time, as it's been well documented. Palmer really comes to the height of his powers and captures everybody's imagination right as television is able to start broadcasting golf tournaments, especially in color. And to see a young and athletic Arnold Palmer um, out of the Army is is just as charismatic as pretty much almost any athlete on the planet has ever been. I mean, literally Arnie's army. It was um, the right man. He was the perfect guy, yeah. Right man at the right time, doing the right things. Never that I'm aware of having refused an autograph for a fan, a joke, just because it is one of those things like somebody is going to remember. It'll be the only time I ever interact with them. They'll remember the time they met Arnold Palmer, and I want them to have the right impression of that. And really being in a heartfelt. So hence, the reason why the, the shirt today, for those of you who are seeing this on video, um, is my Arnold Palmer shirt because it has it's covered with oranges, excuse me, uh, lemons and Arnold Palmer drinks. I got my iced tea shirt on here. You had a chance to go to La Trobe a couple of years ago for Golf Week magazine, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, troops are unplanned. This is unplanned. Let me... Oh, this is unplanned. Look at this. Look at this. There, there is the copy of Golf Week magazine, Arnie Over. at 80. What was it like going through the stockpile as a gear guy for me? That was that was Mecca, and I've never had a chance to go. I did talk with Arnold several times about this, but tell me about your visit to Latrobe. Yeah, it was, that was is a cool experience. The one regret he did not play golf with me. I went out and played with his grandson, mm. uh, which was which was still kind of fun, and and to play that golf course. The highlight for me. This was again totally an unscripted thing that he was getting ready. On his 80th birthday, he was going to throw out the first pitch at the Pittsburgh Pirates game. And, oh, wow. you know, like anybody, he didn't want to embarrass himself. So yeah. he had been practicing every day. He was throwing with his pilot and his pilot, pilot, I think his name was Pete. I think Pete came over and they were having a catch. And I got to throw with Arnold Palmer, just have a catch with Arnold Palmer. And uh, our photographer, Tracy Wilcox, Wilcox, got photos of that, some photos of uh, – of you know sitting in Arnold's office and having a you know doing the interview was was really cool um, something I'll never I'll always remember and uh, yeah it, it was just Art is just one of the he loved golf and he loved people so that combination just it, it sounds really simple but there aren't enough of those guys out oh. there and and you know he is the best example of that and 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 just just loved be, guy who loved being himself loved being Arnold Palmer enjoyed the role. And what he, what he, what all of that it entailed. And, uh, you know, that, and he, he kept everything. So we were to go through that, uh, warehouse was, and see all those clubs, just barrels and barrels, uh, all the shoe. I mean, he had every shoe pretty much he's ever worn. It's just crazy. Uh, a cool. little much, uh, but, but fairly fun to look at some of the old stuff. I, I, I'm not gonna, this is the first, um, Arnold Palmer, I probably have gone to the Arnold Palmer tournament more than just about anything in a row other, other than the masters. And, uh, this is, this is a great week. And, and I, I still feel like the field should be stronger than it is that, wow. that guys was, need was, to, yeah, I was going to, guys need to, to show respect. They need to show I was, respect. 
I was going to get to that. It's it's an awkward place on the calendar, I realize, because it's in between a World Golf Championship and the players. And obviously, the elite guys are not going to skip that. They're coming off the West Coast swing, and they might not want to do three in a row. And I, I get that. Um, but this week, we get Rory, we get Hovland, we get Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Hideki Matsuyama are really our, our headliners, which is a nice well, uh, feel. It, I- the one I, I really, Jordan Spieth is playing it for the first time, which is kind of, he's been which, around long enough, you'd think he'd have played it. Yeah, by now. Yeah, but yeah, which, I'm glad you know, he's, he's finally playing it. We do not get Dustin Johnson, no Brooks Kepka, no Justin Thomas, no John Rahm, no Patrick Cantlay. I mean, these are all top 10 players. And um, certainly while Arnie was alive, this was a, you shall not miss this one. If you're qualifying and get in, you shall not miss Jack's tournament. You, you will go and you will play more. Not that anybody wanted, but it's a tough date and I hope that the PGA tour can work out something because if this ends up being sort of the permanent slot and the players are theoretically next year, if the world is a better place, they go back and they take this WC back to Mexico. Then you're going to be going from a WGC in Mexico to Bay Hill to players. This is going to be an ongoing problem. You're going to have a challenge to fill this tournament out. And some of the guys, especially as you know, the, the Jupiter contingent in Florida, um, have got their home game in West Palm the week after, after that when they're going to be going over to the Honda, which is another tournament at PGA National. So they're not going to play four in a row. You're not going to get that. And we know that Rory coming into this said he wanted to play a lot of golf before the Masters. So he's playing a pretty vigorous schedule. So good on him and good on Hovland, who's had this tournament on his schedule. I mean, he was there last year. I've been to it a bunch of times too. And um, I think that because it's Florida, I would assume they're going to be a very small number of fans on the golf course. It's through a housing development at the Bay Hill um, community. So there will be people certainly in their backyards doing whatever they want to do well, back there. This is Florida. So they're step, they're starting to step up the attendance yeah, it's, the next it's, few weeks. It's, it's, it's <laughs> been very great to, to hear fans cheering good golf shots. It's also something I'm going to have to get used to seeing that as well up here. We're just starting to get the first little whiffs of spring in the air. It's, it's March up here in the Northeast, but we still don't really have any meaningful sporting events or things get large gatherings. So I'm excited for it. Hopefully everybody's being careful so that we can continue the, the trend towards this thing, getting closer and closer to over the vaccinations are all, all happening. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they get out of this deal. I will tell you my cool Arnold Palmer story that the last year that Arnie was able to, to attend at Bay Hill, I saw him driving a golf cart and he was, Obviously, it was getting on. Like he was an old man at this point. He's he's well into his eighties, and there were two Arnold Palmer staff bags on the back of the golf cart. And shoot, I'm not kidding you. There were thirty clubs in each. Oh one. yeah. And he had just come out of the Callaway truck, and they had built him a couple of drivers. They immediately went into the bag, and he was heading out, and he was going to go hit some balls. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And one of the people who was you know fans like sees Arnold Palmer zipping through, and hey, Arnie gives him a whole thing and. Of course, Palmer waves and smiles as he started driving along. And the guy's like, hey, how does he get to have two golf bags? And I turned to the guy and I'm like, because it's his club and he's <laughs> Arnold Palmer. He can play with however many he wants. It was just, it was great. It was just one of these very quiet moments that I'm sure every golf fan who had the chance to see him has some recollection. And it just made me smile that, that he had come out and he was still interested in hitting shots. He still loved the game, loved being around the game. Um, and everything about it. So uh, lots of thoughts and lots of memories about uh, Arnold Palmer this week as we're getting ready for for the Bay Hill Invitational. Shoot, 
thanks very, very much for once again coming on the Forward Press, buddy. What can we look forward to seeing from you uh, in the days to come here on GolfWeek.com? That's a great question. Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be helping out on the Arnold Palmer tournament coverage. Got players as my 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 home game next week. Nice. So, um, yeah, pretty active, but uh, gonna miss being on site. A little known fact, but Arnold Palmer Invitational is where I met my wife. How about that? How about there them apples? Go. I mean, you, did, did uh, some some people the winner? For example, we saw Terrell Hatton, you know, <laughs> getting the red cardigan, and and you got the wedding suit, and and that that's exactly. great. There, there you go. Shoot, thanks a lot, pal. All right, thanks. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.